Hi, and welcome to Femmes Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asiet, and this podcast aims to support, educate, and empower women to achieve career success and financial freedom. In each episode, Femmes Finance talks with successful women leaders, founders, and investors to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom. Check out the show notes, links, and resources on our page, FemmesFinance.life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Femmes Finance Podcast Show. This is Asiel Altaeva, and today I'm very excited to have a conversation with a deep tech advocate, blockchain expert, Web3 mentor, and thought leader. And also, she has recently been recognized as a global top 100 woman of the future in emerging tech. Today's guest is Sunny Jang. She is the founder of Mass Ventures, Mass Valley, and Mass Dowell. Sunny is a two times Ethereum Global Hackathon prize winner and current mentor of Web3 Talents Program offered by Frankfurt School Blockchain Center. She's also a startup mentor of Outlier Ventures Web3 Accelerator Program. She's executive board member of World Metaverse Council and advisory board member of Two Tokens Foundation. Sunny, thank you so much for joining us today. But before we start, I would like to congratulate you again for being recognized as a global top 100 woman of the future. This is truly remarkable and great achievement. And I'm so grateful today to have the opportunity to interview you and also share your advice and story with young women around the world. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Thank you so much, Asel. And wow, it's my great pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate that you made efforts and try to amplify the efforts or voice that we have in the work three space and also try to inspire others. So basically, as you mentioned, I'm very active myself as a founder. And on top of it, I'm a mentor in a lot of programs and both in educational direction and also in startup direction as well as a speaker in many occasions till now. Well, we're happy to, together with you, to address or dive deeper into blockchain and Web3, as well as the relevant topics about female growth and leadership. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunny. It's a great pleasure to host you today. Before we start our podcast, I think it would be very interesting to hear about your professional journey so far. So can you please share how did you begin your career path and specifically what sparks your interest in the blockchain industry? As I said, I have a computer science background. So for me, blockchain is not something new. It's just an extension part or continuous development of a computer, I would say. So I was always in the deep tech industry in the past more than 10 years. I work in startup ecosystem in the Netherlands which we transfer knowledge from the university to patent. From there, we spin off company and we support the company to grow by incubation and acceleration. So I'm always in industry to interact with innovative startups and also researchers and investors. So for me, those are something natural for me to extend to voices in the computer science. Early since 2000, 2020, or earlier than that, we have a startup who made an innovative solution for healthcare. So I really realized that the blockchain is, as, as an enabling technology, I would say, can really make change for the whole industry. So it's far beyond, for instance, the creator economy, which majority of people are familiar with. In fact, it can impact all the industry. So, so I dive deeper to it. I look more in the direction of, for instance, coding and programming. It's not something new because it's built in the original infrastructure or language like, for instance, uh, JavaScript. So for people who are familiar with JavaScript, it's not that difficult for them to learn, for instance, the smart contract, the programming language is called Solidity. So, okay. Okay, all those things stuck with my interests and I dive deeper to it. That is kind of early 2020, 2021. In fact, but earlier to that, 2018, I had an excellent occasion when I started in Sotheby's Institute of Art. So uh, for me, it's quite diverse because I also active in, in the fine art industry. 
I already noticed in that summer, so Christie's, one of the biggest auction house, and hosted the first very remarkable, maybe not the first, but a very remarkable blockchain symposium in their headquarters in London to address blockchain technology in fine arts. That's a find very interesting because I was exactly there in that week. So then I find, in fact, all the industry, no matter it's uh, what traditional life science, health or manufacturing or agriculture, they are all slowly tapping into this new era. So that triggers my uh, great interest to learn more and to explore more. So in the past two, three years, I did a huge amount of work, especially since 2021. If you look my footprints, I was basically in all the hotspots and the major Web3 community connected to the major Web3 communities in Europe, also in US. The growth rate you will never experience in the other industry because it's evolves not say every month, it's every week. So that's basically how I heavily been engaged and involved in this industry. Super interesting. Thank you for sharing every detail. So next topic is about tokenization. But first, I, I really want to ask about programming languages in blockchain because you have more computer science background and you mentioned how you your first familiarity was blockchain technology started exactly from your background, which is computer science. So can you please share what are the most important programming languages that are needed in order to succeed in the blockchain industry? In fact, blockchain is not something new. It's extension, I would say. If we talk about building use case or, for instance, a decentralized app, that if you're familiar with JavaScript, it's not that difficult to switch to the new developments. I would especially mention about maybe Solidity because that is the most, one of the most popular programming languages for smart contract. As you know, for instance, the Ethereum platform or Ethereum blockchain is one of the most mature or impactful blockchain ecosystem. So all the smart contract in this platform is built in Solidity language. But of course, we have much more other layer one chain. There are other programming language, but the thing it's, it's, it's good enough to, to mention now here, Solidity. What are the key indicators that define good blockchain developers? What things that they all have to know? I would say it's a transformation for everyone. Of course, also including developers. It's not that if, a, for instance, a developer knows about traditional front and backend, they can just do Web3 development. They also need to invest themselves to learn new things. So that's what I observed in the past years. Last year, let's say 2022, I participated to four hackathons in fact, including two hosted by Ethereum Global. So many traditional, let's say, Web2 developers, they, they are also learning and try to gain more insights and also gain more skills about the Web3 developments. For instance, last time when I was in Berlin, I, I met the whole team. It's a gaming company. They are just practice and use the Paxon as an opportunity to learn how that they really can build the new cases to interact. Because the major difference is that in the new Web3 developments, the back end is replaced by blockchain. The blockchain basically becomes the, the new back end. So they have to really get used to this. And of, co of course, also the interaction with the front end will be different because your, your back end is different. So they need to really learn this new thing. But what I, what I find interesting is not only developers, but also because you need all kinds of people, you need all kinds of professionals together to build the whole blockchain ecosystem. So also quite a lot of non-developers, they also participated to the hackathon. I think that's a really good sign. In fact, during the hackathon, you need a, ideally I would say you shouldn't have two coders. They will be very heavy for one person to code everything. And then you also need a manager to manage everything, program manager or to, to manage everything like a, like a pitch deck, like strategy, like control the whole process. So ideally, I would say three person are the best. But of course, normally a hackathon allows you to have maximum five person. And winning in a hackathon is not the goal. And the goal will be more uh, learn and grow. Yeah, that's, that's a great advice. 
What kind of hackathons can you recommend for people listening to our podcast today? One of the prestigious hackathons is hosted by Ethereum Global. That is a foundation backed up by, uh, of course, for the, the whole Ethereum ecosystem. So if we go to Ethereum Global website, they will indicate every month, uh, every year, I think they have six to eight, can be also 10 events all around the world. Yeah, I would really encourage everyone who is curious and also want to learn more to really dare to dive into the Hapson world. Because that's is not only a chance for you to grow, but also that you really touch the core of the blockchain ecosystem. Because in that occasion, for instance, uh, the, the only supplier, MetaMask team is there. And also for instance, the layer two solution, Polygon scale team members are there. You have a chance to have a direct dialogue with them. Otherwise, in front of a computer or in your normal life, you will never contact with them. Uh, just sending an email, that's really quite different. But the more important, I would say, is that uh, it's a good chance for people to understand the frontier as well. What's happening now? What are most wanted uh, hot chains for blockchain at this moment? Or what are the builders built at this moment? So I think those you can easily observe during Hackathon because only the best projects will be granted. And I also saw the evolution through different Hackathons. For instance, in the previous years, it's more focused on specific use case with a specific solution. But nowadays I observed it's a chain that's more and more interdisciplinary approach are appreciated. For instance, the intersection of AI and blockchain. Sometimes people are really building that demo during hassle. Yeah, that's a great advice. And also uh, somehow your answer reminded me of the book called Originality by Adam Grant. I was reading this book recently and it talks about creativity and originality. You know, combining different areas and producing truly original and innovative solution to a common problem is exceptionally hard. And I would like to ask, as a winner of several hackathons, where do you derive this, this creativity? Where do you get such originality? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because, to be frank, hackathon is, is a nice game, I would say, because you have a limited time. Within this limited time, we need to continuously to drive for the innovation and also exploration in all of our time. So it's nice that in that sport to really come up with a strategy. For instance, if you have a, yeah, last time in San Francisco, that's really the, the largest ever hackathon in the history, in the history of Ethereum. And also I think the whole history of uh, blockchain hackathon, we have 1,700 participants. And from there, I still remember it's 284 submissions. And from there, if you want to become one of the winners out of these 284, then you really have, need to distinguish others or you need to really stand out by your solutions and maybe your positionings. So you need to have a good team, I would say, in this sense. Find the people who has very good uh, backgrounds and have come to kind of common interests to drive the same direction. Just try and, and think about what is the frontier at this moment in the ecosystem and what you can achieve realistically, what you can, you can achieve within these two days or two, three days. After all, the main goal of a hackathon is not winning. Of course, it's nice to win. It's more practice. So for some people I also know, they don't care if they win or not. They care that they have an idea, they really practice on that idea. That's also really great. So in this sense, I would say all the people who participated, they all be rewarded by gaining. Maybe it's the prize. But also, for sure, everybody gain the knowledge, gain the skill, and also gain larger network. Thank you for inspiring us to participate in hackathons. We'll definitely include more information about available hackathons in Web3 and blockchain space. So my next question is about startups. I got curious because you are one of the founding members and founding you know, mentors of Web3 Talents program at Frankfurt School Blockchain Center, and you're also a startup mentor of Outlier Ventures, Web3 Accelerator programs. And I'm sure that you have met thousands of startups and probably lots of them failed and some of them succeeded. So I'd like to ask why Web3 startups fail? What are the common uh, things that founders do not realize? Yeah, what kind of advice can you give to those founders? Yeah, thank you. I think this is a really interesting uh, question 
Because to be frank, there are two directions that everybody should pay attention to. One is education, another is entrepreneurship. So you either you are more active in the first direction or you are more active in the second direction because those are the areas where you can generate most of the outcome and the impact. I would say it's not a phenomenon for a Web3 startup. It's in general, the success rate is low for startup, no matter what kind of startup. They say 90% will fail, probably. The meaning of, uh, for instance, uh, my value to add as mentor is to try to support them to increase the chance of success. The, the chance could be, for instance, the, the fund itself. If they have, they are more skillful and they, they have more knowledge and, and they have better for instance, operation. And that is one. On the other hand, if we look at the solutions itself, how to polish it, for instance, the positioning of, of, of the solution, does this really solve a real problem and or, or just nice to have? Because I, I saw a lot of a lot of cases, people are easily falling in love with their own idea and they do, they do not look, look into what the market needs. The most successful companies, they are absolutely built surround of clients or customer. So that's really important to think about what are the needs of the market and then to build solution to fulfill that needs. Uh, and I also know that, in fact, it's a, it's a constant change process for, for the successful startup. Maybe in the beginning, they have uh, idea A and in this direction. So after testing the market and get feedback, they just adjust themselves. I think very important is to understand the market and to get feedback from the market and adjust themselves. So this process, sometimes maybe after three months, after six months, you say, I was not surprised. Sometimes they changed 80% because of the original idea doesn't fit to the market. One more interest is to highlight that, especially for Web3, it's very exciting. It's very exciting industry at this moment, especially in developing country or region like, for instance, Africa. And I had quite some interaction with Africa or, for instance, Nigeria area. And I am amazed because I was in several panel with them in the past. So the activities of investors, four times more active than developed countries. So this kind of a disruptive solution like Bosham can directly or greatly impact their life and impact their employment and then, and then their financial corrosion or digital corrosion. So they are more willing to, to really dive into and to adopt it. At this moment, if you look at investment amounts, though the total amount is, is not that big, for instance, in Africa, but it's four times, for instance, the last year compared to one year before. So with that grocery, I will not be surprised to say this year or next year, it will continue to, to double, triple, or, or even more. On the other hand, I would say to increase the chance of success, every, every founder should aim high. I understand that, you know, sometimes it's more difficult when you solve a small problem than you solve a bigger problem. Because when you solve a big problem, the whole world will be needed. In fact, you are easily to get attention. You are easily to, to get support. But if you are solving a small problem, it's very difficult that you get, get attention and support, in fact. So when you adjust big question, you spend actually the same amount of your energy and at the time to do it. So I would encourage you and all the founders to aim high uh, in the beginning to think about if to target themselves as unicorn, how would they to operate now? How would they to develop now? That's also because of another phenomenon that there's a word it says if you, you aim to shoot the moon, probably you landed in the roof. If you aim to land in the roof, Probably you are just in the depth. So uh, if you aim to, well, I think everybody experiences that, which is if you aim to get $2 million investment in, maybe in, in the end, you, you end up at several hundred K. But if you think about the beginning, you are a billion level business, and, and then you will probably attract several, several million. So that's also make difference of how a founder to think about what kind of impact they can bring to the world by their solution and think differently in the beginning.
amazing advice. And you also gave us a great direction. So thank you so much. It will be helpful for everyone to aim high, to realize and to make better projects. So my next question is about how to keep momentum. I think lots of, as we said before, lots of startups fail and they fail thousands of times. And how can they keep going despite getting rejection, despite getting, you know, lots of failures? How to keep this momentum? Yeah, I would say embrace failure. Because failure is not the end. Yeah, failure is, please see failure as, as a chance to grow. Then, then you really change mindset. I would say fail as as soon as possible, as early as possible, because the the sense really harm is those kind of chronic feeling, you know. But they slowly, slowly failed in three years, and in fact, you can you can test already. Maybe in one month or two months, you know that will not work. You failed it. That's the best, and you delayed it, and you slowly fail, and in three years, you lose three years time. So I would say failing is a good thing because you you can you can quickly test what's worked or what doesn't work. Important is that you um, you test it out and then adjust yourself and grow yourself and and think about the elements or the factors you should you should add or you should adjust for you to to make a difference. So feeling this is a good thing, I would say. But on the other hand, I, I really, really would recommend that because we have really very limited time energy. Learn from the best practice. Partner with the best. Because to be frank, the energy is the same. So you, if you, you talk with, in an hour with, with a person who in fact do not help you that much, you spend one hour. But if you spend that one hour, uh, just for example, if you connect with uh, this is Jimmy's example. If you connect with Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, and and in this one hour, he gave you some advice and he gave you some support, then that's value of that one hour is much bigger than you spend as well. So I would really think it's important to do some homework to identify a little bit. That's also is a great learn, a great great way to learn. We don't know what we don't know. Ninety nine cents in our life, we don't know. We only focus on the sense that we know, but it's not necessary that the sense we know is the best to help us to grow and to develop further. So be open and identify, identify who are the best in this area, uh, you, in the area you're going to develop and to learn from them why they succeed there and why the way they do works and then learn from them. Yeah. And also try to also interact with them. I think that's really will be helpful to increase the chance of success. We all talk about the chance. Even I think the, the founder of Amazon in the beginning, <laughs> I know he said he wants to build a 100 billion business or whatever, and nobody believed in him. But the, the thing that you need to start somewhere and, and, and then start in a wise way, because otherwise the time passed by. It's an amazing advice and it's really great to analyze the best practices and adapt it, change it, go from that idea instead of trying to create everything from scratch. That's a great advice. So my next question is, you know, sometimes when you create a new technology or a new startup, new project idea, most people might be critical or most people might be, you know, receptive to those ideas and think that maybe it's, you know, it's, maybe it's a bad project. So my question is, how can we know that the project that we're developing is good, although we are receiving bad feedbacks from the users? Or how can we know that the, maybe the feedback of the users are right? I don't know how to, how to ask this question. Yeah, I think it's a chicken and egg problem. On the one hand, when you develop something new, especially something new, majority of people will not understand it. Yes, yes. I think that's what you mean. And in fact, they can't give you justice feedback because they don't understand what you're doing. On the other hand, if we are just a follower, for instance, in the mature mar markets, that's okay. People are all familiar with this, do something ab extra, and then people know that you will hardly to stand out because those are all be adjusted or developed. You need to find a unique angle or unique positioning to create something new. For instance, when we have already Facebook or LinkedIn, I think with so many smart people and smart developers, I think they are easily to make another linking in, in, in maybe just several weeks or, or weeks or even earlier. The thing is that it's not about building a product. It's, it's about building the whole ecosystem. So if their ecosystem is already there, you are harder to beat because this is called a 
first mover advantage. They already gained that advantage. You you hard to beat it. I, I would say it's not necessary to think of starting something that people will accept in the beginning. Focus on problem itself. What is the problem? And your your approach may be very new or disruptive. People may not understand. But in the end, that should solve that problem better. Either you are faster, you are cheaper, those are kind of direct dimension. If you target the problem, because the people will be familiar with the problem, but they may not be familiar with your solution, but then if you prove that you have you, you are better to solve that problem, and the rest is just about education. I think that is the effort all the new company, new innovation has to make to educate their audience. Besides of the, the, the problem itself and building the solution for that problem, I think it's extremely important to impress and also get uh, support from the investor. Because investor, you know, when we talk about valuation, it's nothing about who you are now. It's all about who you can be in the future. So the investors are investing based on whether they believe you can be bigger, you will do much more, or you will have a big impact in the future. They invest your future moment. They're not investing your current moment because now of the company in the beginning, they they already immediately achieved, for instance, a breaking even. So it's extremely important to convince the investor that that is something worth to invest for in the future. That is also for all the unicorns. If they have a valuation of one billion euro or one billion dollar, it's not that because they have a cash flow now at one billion. It's about the investor belief they can make a business in that size in the future. So I would say focus on really solve a problem, focus on convince and make the investor believe. Those are the two most important things for starting. And without sufficient financial support, none of the company can go further. What kind of resources can you recommend for the founders that want to create a startup in Web3? First, I think everybody, everybody should make happy for themselves of outreaching and networking. Because this is extremely important. You can't say, I don't have anything, but if I go with someone else who have something, then I'm fine. It's not like this. So everybody themselves should work very hard to network, to outreach people as as much as possible, as a founder, only you're either you are produce something or make something or you are selling something. There's only these two things that you should focus. And otherwise you're wasting your time. For everyone, I think uh, they should know clearly in the beginning what kind of role they are. Either they are a great seller or they are a great developer. The value of meeting people, for instance, in the conferences, in the events, in the occasion, is that you really make connection with them rather than, for instance, by email or by just click of a uh, connect. In fact, you still don't know each other. And so you, so I would say uh, go out because you never can do anything in front of a computer. Things will not happen. But if you go out, meet people in person, you always will be triggered of new idea and new cooperation possibilities, new chance, not only for fun, but for people who, who really comfort, more comfortable to just look for a job in the Web3 space. It's also very helpful because if they... If they know someone, for instance, if you know the director, the CEO of a company in one event, and then later on, you always can refer that you have met. And even though, even though at that moment you didn't talk anything, it's just you know, a very brief introduction, it's much easier than, you know, those kind of so-called weak connection really matter, in fact. Because sometimes some critical outcomes, in fact, come from this kind of weak connection. So I would say build a network and expose yourself and branding yourself, make yourself visible. Those are the essential base that you need to do. And then on top of that, it's everybody's responsibility to make themselves visible because not, none of others will do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. I also learned from last week when I was in hand lines because there are so many leaders, CMOs are there. I think it's really great that they... They say, what is power? Where does power come from? Power basically is visibility plus empathy. If you have a visibility, people know you and you have a voice, right? And if you have empathy, that you understand not only yourself, you understand when you address something, what does that mean to others? You can easily 
interacts or resonates with others. And, and that's very important to create really impact. So those are the sense that everybody should do themselves. And then on top of that, of course, it's, it's really great. It's not easy at all uh, to great to find other uh, partners for this co-founder or the other team that you really can, can go, can work with. I would say if you're a founder looking for a co-founder, it's not that easier than you find a husband or your wife in your life. A really good co-founder is a partner in, in life for business. It's not easy at all. And on the other hand, I would really say, encourage everybody to, to try to in, engage themselves to do more. Uh, for instance, they can be participant to, to Xuxian and Dao or this, all these kind of uh, communities. Try to contribute something because the way you contribute is the way you learn. It's extremely important in the beginning that to learn yourself because it's important that you become experts in your domain and not saying that you need to know everything, but, but it's, it's important that you are confident of what you're doing. So be active to give in the beginning, try to, try to support others, try to engage in the program. So that's why I, I see the big value, for instance, uh, when I become mentor of Frankfurt School, in fact, that is really voluntary by base. But of course, you're not saying that you want to be mentor, you can, because they also select. But the saying that during the interaction with, with the global talent, I was amazed that, okay, oh, who am I interacting with? Oh, the people from JP Morgan, people from Google, and people from this bigger investment bank and also tech companies. And the, the thing is that the way you interact is also, on the one hand, is to give, because you, you, maybe you, at the moment, you have more knowledge than them, while on the other hand, it's also receive because you learn from them. I would say, in fact, we can learn from everybody, everyone. Even the one who the homeless one in, in 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 the street, then you can know if you don't do anything right, you will be like this. That's also a learning line, right? So be open that you can learn from everyone. And so uh, with that mindset and build yourself, put a foundation, and also try to try to be part of. Well, building tea is not easy at all, but but if you are active to be engaged in many communities, you probably will get opportunities. Actually, learning from everyone is also a great skill to develop, and not everyone has it. So we should nurture in ourselves the ability to learn from everyone, from everything that we do. So that's that's amazing advice. Thank you for sharing. So now let's talk about tokenization. How can you explain this term to someone who has never heard about it before? Could you provide us a simple explanation of what is tokenization? How does it work? Well, now if we talk about the exciting world of blockchain, in fact, I think the two biggest impact of blockchain are in one is decentralization, another is tokenization. Basically, you can find majority of the cases, applications at this moment, they are either in decentralization or in tokenization. When we talk about where we step into Web3, we talk about we step into internet of value and, and this is decentralized world. So exactly talking itself, if we talk about talking, the talking my understanding of talking is internet native unit of value. So every talking is a career of a piece of value. So this value you can identify, depends on the use case, you can identify yourself. It can be a monetary value, for instance, you can say, okay, this piece of talking represents money value, or you can say it represents an artwork, whatever you see that as assets, and then all the goods in the supermarkets, everything is assets. Or you can you say intangible one like IP, intellectual property, or a license, or those kind of in, intangible one. As long as you identify as assets and they have value, they can become a token. And because token is just reflect a piece of value. And then tokenization is the process to turn those assets into tokens. So this process we call as tokenization. Of course, there are many challenges at this moment. The whole blockchain tackles a lot of challenges, for instance, regulatory challenges, the law, the whole, the law world is still behind, I would say, because the innovation is so fast. I think it's very natural. If you look back uh, 100 years, 200 years, and how we evolved from the previous era to the next one, and then to the next one, it's always the same. In the beginning, there will be a lot of arguments, there will be a lot of doubts, 
and also somehow chaos. I would say that's exactly for instance. So we we see the hype of uh, ICO in 2017 when when there's a hype of uh, the price of Bitcoin, and then you see the hype of NFT in 2021. It's just big mess. And then of course it's doing harm to the reputation of blockchain because somehow people think, yeah, oh, but that's all about a scam, right? But to be frank. In the, in the normal world, you know, traditional finance industry, the scam never stops. Well, there's money, there's a scam, right? And it's just a matter of uh, more or less or heavier or lighter. And we can't say because some, some people scams, we should not have bank. Yeah, that's exactly current situation. We say because it's a scam in NFT, we should not use NFT at all. So, so that's exactly the same. So for me, the soul of the future lies in decentralization and the tokenization. So when we talk about tokenization, it's a such big topic and huge impact can be made to the to the world because basically you can impact every thing and every corner in the world. So when we talk about decentralization, in fact, that's equal to everywhere, if you think about that. Decentralization is everywhere. And when we talk about tokenization, we mean everything. Talking about you every asset, as long as you identify that as an asset, there is a value. Yeah, to be frank, everything has a value. The real estate or whatever, and food we are eating every day, and healthcare, everything, everything. So tokenization means everything, and decentralization means everywhere. This really is the power of blockchain because it covers everywhere and for everything. So if we talk about tokenization and dive deeper a little bit into it, I would say uh, talking to self is still in the, in the process of development. We should allow ourselves to give some time to develop. Because if we say the release of a white paper of Bitcoin in 2008 or 2009 is the starting point of blockchain, well, maybe people will argue it can be earlier, but I think that is the most uh, well-known moment. And we are just have more than 10 years, right? If you look at the whole history of AI, because look, a lot of people are talking about AI, they think AI is something new. No, AI already developed 80 years almost. Since 1950s, people already talk about intelligence for machine. And that's also going along with the development of computer, of course. So until now, until now, because of ChatGPT and it's got great momentum that people, that, that is a great use case to engage the mainstream or adoption of AI, let's say. So give some time. If AI developed already almost 80 years till now, and blockchain is just more than a little bit 10 years, allow us to develop another 10, 20, 30 years. What will happen, right? I would just say it's, it's the early stage. It is a natural process of development. See that as a process of development. And then for the tokenization, I would say a little bit dive deeper in the tokens itself. If we classify the token, especially next year, the Mika regulation for instance in Europe will be launched. I think that gives somehow a good indication of clarity. But we, we know for this, for token, we have a free a main classification. We have a utility token. For the utility token, for instance, you can regard those governance token in a DAO or the, the digital identity or the, all those kinds of things as utility. And then you have a payment token. The payment token is more access the money specifically. Uh, I can also mention about, which is very hot topic, is about stable core and the CBDC, the central bank digital currency in the future. Of course, it's not necessary. The CBDC is talking uh, using blockchain, but that's could be. And then mm-hmm. now, and the third dimension is security talking. And the security talking is something I'm really uh, heavily in at this moment. Because security talking is that to regard talking as a security, a traditional security. Security, for instance, the equity of a company is a security. And the stock market, the stock is a security. So security talking compliance with, for instance, KYC, AML regulation. So I would say the only way we can move forward is to find the balance of so-called Web 2 and Web 3 and to find the middle points well we can embrace each other. So security talking uh, probably will be the most realistic direction for, especially for institutes to step in. I institute, I mean banks, those official organizations. 
none of them will buy NFT, you know, because NFT is not regulated and NFT is more personal. But if you want to engage them, then you need to go to security token because that strictly follows the current rule of know your customer, uh, anti-money, money laundering, or this kind of thing. Uh, one of the hottest topic about security token is tokenization of a real world asset. So it's basically you have a two kinds of type of asset. One asset is digital asset. So they, by nature, when they are born, they are digital. Uh, on the other hand, it's real world asset. Real world assets, you can see all the physical thing. For instance, in the real estates, the masterpieces, the fine art, the physical artwork, and also everything for this way we use every day. Uh, you can say uh, the goods we buy in the supermarket. So um, at this moment, I think a very hot chain uh, is to tokenize those illiquid assets. According to illiquid is that example like, like real estate. They are not easy to transfer, to trade. There's a very long process. And also similar like the, the fine art, the masterpieces, and if one uh, costs, uh, just example, 10 million, not everybody can collect it. Only those museum institutes or really big, big buyer, and they, they, they afford it. So tokenization of real-world assets, for instance, under a security token, gives a chance to, to people to step in to invest on it in a lowered entrance. So I would say that's a way to democratize investment as well. And that really is my interest uh, at this moment. So I would like to ask, what is the current state of tokenization and what trends do you foresee in the future? How can we imagine the tokenization of the future? Yeah, uh, in fact, you know, when we talk about NFT, T means token, right? In fact, NFT is a token. At this moment, it's just like a big laboratory, global laboratory. We are just trying everything out. Slowly, regulation parts or the law parts slowly catched up. I think this will make a major milestone in the coming years. This clarity will be very important for business to seriously adopt tokenization. Yeah, because of, you know, lack of clarity or backup by the law, a lot of industry or company did they or not to look into this. And on the other hand, the technology itself is evolving every day. So I think more or less, uh, we have already a very good infrastructure now. This is with we have a special security token standard as well, which will support your activity of tokenization the most. Because the standard token do not have function to enable you to know your customer, to, and, and to, to compliance with AML, something like that. But, but the standard of the security token really embrace or integrate everything in it. So those technical infrastructure, I think, they are already very well at this moment. And the next challenge will be a mass adoption. And adoption, when the raw regulatory part is catching up, I would foresee in the next three to five years will be a peak of tokenization, especially in the real asset. There is a data they say maybe 10% of the world assets will be tokenized. So that's will be very amazing. You know how the global wealth, and that is, you know, you can't, can't give a number well, what's the total amount of the global works. But, but if 10% of them will be tokenized, well, that's really a really great milestone for this till, I think 2025 till 2030 will be really a peak. We'll really support, on the other hand, the great adoption of blockchain technology as well. Because people will get used to, because at this one, I still find it really a big challenge to educate people that, for instance, they get used to use wallet instead of uh, traditional way to log in and then to be familiar with, for instance, buying the sell of token and to own a token and also uh, to enjoy the benefits of tokenization. The benefits of ownership, right? That they have exclusive ownership, traceable and lower costs, lower entrance, lower entrance for investments. And I know an excellent case for this, for the fine art is normally if you buy one must pieces, you have to think about the millions. But if they tokenize it, then in fact, the entries can be lower down to 10K. That's much, much lower for private collector to step in as well. So there are many benefits of that. Of course, it is a market opens 24 hours plus seven days. It will never stop because blockchain by nature, by design, will not never stop. So it doesn't really make a difference than the traditional it's just you are buying a stock in stock market. Okay, Saturday, Sunday, stop. 
wait until Monday to open again. So it's, it's not like that. So I, I think people will enjoy the great benefits, convenience, and also very important, the, the digital inclusion, because everybody can access it and benefit from it in the near future. I think that's what tokenization will bring to people. What kind of advice can you give to young women listening to our podcast today to prepare ourselves so that we can excel and develop in our career, in our businesses? I would say first, I would use this sentence that opportunity comes for those who are prepared, exactly. So if you're not prepared and, you know, this is really huge, exciting new future. If you're not prepared, even there are 1,000, 10,000 positions there, you can't, you can't fit any of them. So prepare yourself yet now is extremely important. So uh, invest yourself and to, to learn yourself. I think the first part is, again, uh, what I said is, is the education part. To gain knowledge as much as possible. And also during the learning, also try to find your uh, interested direction. Because even, even if we talk about blockchain, it can be have, have 100 direction. So which direction fits you the best that you have most passion in and also fits to your strengths? Try to identify that as early as possible. For example, if you are people in marketing, perfect. because just amplify it because website marketing will be something for sure will be very important in the future. And how to approach customer in a new way, decentralized way, also leverage with using technology. If you are prepared, you are most wanted people in the near future. If you are more interested about investments, then think about to move to, to really maybe, for instance, try to create a crypto farm. It all depends on the positioning. So I would say first learn as much as possible and then to find your niche, find your positioning, and then from there to try to build things up. And when you are ready, you know, for instance, at this moment, lawyer, it's really great year, era for lawyer as well. It's, it's not a joke. Maybe in the future, all the lawyer will need to code, code smart contract. At this moment, you hardly can find a lawyer who really understand the law and the crypto. So if they really understand both, they are most wanted people at this moment. You know, what I mentioned, tokenization is very heavy. So we need a lot of lawyer. If uh, the lawyer now, they, are, they find the interest in Web3, they learn themselves actively and to gain their knowledge and also make a voice of themselves. Just a matter of the job come to them, not that they, they look for a job. I would say now it's 2023, it's still early. It's exactly in the turning points. I would say it seemed like, it seemed like last uh, wave of the internet in around 1997 or 1996. So it's a perfect moment to, to invest yourself this year, next year or coming years and to make yourself a voice of a, of a specific industry. And then either you aim to work for company as an employee or you want to found a company yourself, now is the best moment because there's a window time and that is exactly similar like, like last internet era. There is a window time. If you miss that window time, but then people are all talking about, talk about for the HTML or HTTP. If you are the company who's creating for this active in HTML, you already, there's nothing for others to do three years later, five years later, because people are all goes to your solution or goes to, goes to you. So now exactly is also the best year, best moment for people who really want to try out to start a company, try now. Yeah, because. Yeah, I would not suggest you try it to some thirty. It's, it's almost everything is there already. So now it's really the most beautiful moment that you can try out everything and to really make an impact in the future. Yeah. Oh, great advice. Last question. Are there any specific books, websites, or some other resources that you can recommend for those interested in diving deeper into tokenization? Well, to be frank, I, I, I would suggest differently. Because the whole world and the whole, especially the in the blockchain ecosystem, it's evolved so fast. You have to keep learning, nothing every week, even can be every day. So the most important thing is not a specific knowledge because you can learn today and it's made obsolete already next year. Because for instance, if we're now talking about zero knowledge and maybe after three years, all the chain are all privacy preserved, let's say Without this function, we will be not adopted at all. So what I want to say is that the most important ability is to learn how to learn. 
is not to learn specific knowledge because you can always learn and also it will source of solid. For instance, if you are in school two years ago, the school teach you, I don't know, marketing or teach you whatever. None of those knowledge, maybe you're still usable, in, especially in the web three because it evolves so fast. But it's important that you know how to learn. So that is something I think everybody should explore good way face to themselves. That's what's the best way that they, they really learn something and to get something. And of course, I can give a lot of the links and names, but to be frank, those things comes and goes because they, they can create now and then they, they're gone later. So, so I would, I would suggest that everybody to spend some time to discover and explore a little bit what's the best way for themselves to learn because everybody has a different learning pattern. And, and, and if that, that is the case, you were never afraid of what's happened because you, you always can learn yourself quickly when new things came up. That's the most important thing. That's the only, I think that's the only thing relevant to the future. Good advice. Thank you for sharing. Is there any last thing that you want to say? Last powerful quote for everyone to remember? Yeah, I think I, I always believe this quote. Uh, so this quote is also in my website. So I would like to also share with every of you is the best way to predict the future is to create. You don't need to have uncertainty, doubts, whatever. Just think about what you want to create. And of course, you're not, it's also going along with the real world, of course, interacts with the world. And to create it, then that is your future, right? Let's keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and keep trying. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sunny. It was a great session. We covered everything that we all have to know about Web3 and you gave so many advice that will help us to develop in our careers and to create our own projects and to win a hackathon and just to become the best person. So thank you so much for all your advice. I'm, I'm really grateful that I had this opportunity to talk to you in person. So for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. And also, Sunny, how can our listeners reach out to you? Do you have your own personal website or LinkedIn or yeah, how do yeah, we can see? Yeah, uh, well, I have my personal website. My name is Sunny Jiang. So basically, it's sunnyjiang.nl. So that's the Netherlands. So S-U-N-N-Y-G-I-A-N-G.nl. So that's my website. And also feel free to connect me by LinkedIn and or Twitter. Yeah, in my website, you will find the link. So very happy to to be in this episode. And also thank you very much. Yeah, Sahib is a good friend of mine. And I think oh, she did also really amazing work to initiate and the DLT and the business, DLT and the blockchain business and education in in Dubai. So really great to to be here with you. And also hope that my sharing and the knowledge and also experiences can provide some inspiration to the audience. Thank you for listening to the FEMAS Finance Podcast. I hope you learned something new today. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. So please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thank you so much and have a nice day.